And I want to deal with what he does in the text, the birth into the family. He reminds us in the fourth chapter that we did not join this family. We did not just decide to get in this family. We are birthed into the family. We are born into this family. I love what Jesus said in John 3 to the very best that religion could produce. He said to the great Pharisee of the Pharisees, you must be born again. You must have the life of God imparted into your dead spirit. And it's called regeneration. You say, Brother Joe, when does that happen in someone's life? It happens when they realize they are a sinner. And they admit that they are a sinner. And they acknowledge they can't go to heaven unless something happens in their life. And they put their faith and their trust not in the water, not in the church membership, not in good works, but in the finished work of the cross of Calvary, the blood that Jesus shed. And when an old sinner puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he is regenerated. He is born again. The life of Almighty God comes into him. And he is no longer a child of the flesh or a child of the devil. He is a child of the King. And I'm glad I got birthed into this family. Someone said, Brother Joe, I just don't understand it. Well, you're in good company. Nicodemus didn't either. But I love the way that Jesus explained it. And it's amazing to me that God gave the greatest exposition on the new birth through John the Beloved and John chapter 3 to a man that had never heard the gospel. And he allowed the same writer in this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give an exposition and an explanation how you get into the family of God to those of us that are in the family of God. He is reminding us how we got in and he is encouraging us to never forget how we got in this family. You say, Brother Joe, I just don't understand how a holy, sovereign, righteous God could bring sinners like us into such a wonderful family. Well, he tells you why in chapter number 4. Someone said, how can sinners be birthed into God's family? Well, according to the text I read this morning, he cared for my soul. Hallelujah goes right there. He cared for my soul. You say, how did he care for our soul? Look what he said in the text. Herein is the love of God manifested towards us. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. I love what he said in verse 19 to this chapter. We love him because he first loved us. I wonder if there's anybody in this room this morning, you're glad when you didn't love God, he loved you. You're glad that when you didn't know God, he knew you and loved you. 
This Calvinist was giving me down the country the other day. And he said, you don't believe in the sovereignty of God. I said, you can't read the Bible and not believe in the sovereignty of God. That God is holy. God is sovereign. God is right. God is eternal. And God can do what He wants to, where He wants to, when He wants to, how He wants to, with who He wants to, without our permission. But ladies and gentlemen, God is so comfortable in His sovereignty. That it didn't bother him one bit in his sovereignty when he created man to give man a will and give man a choice. Now you want to talk about sovereignty. This is how sovereign God is. He created man in his own image and gave him a will and gave him a choice knowing that the majority would refuse him and reject him and rebel against him. You want a lesson in sovereignty that God is so sovereign that when he created man and breathed in his nostrils a breath of life, he knew that the majority of those one day would spit it back in his face in blasphemy. But God still created man. And God still breathed in the man's nostrils. And God still gave him a will. And God still gave him a choice. Because he knew something else. That one day he would send a sacrifice to redeem man from his sin. Because he loved his creation. I love that one line in that great song the Florida boys did about 9,000 years ago. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And that one little line sends me into orbit. He knew me, yet he loved me. He knew me, yet he loved me. Can I remind you of something? God didn't start loving you that day you got saved. God loved you before you got saved. Romans chapter number 5 and verse 8 said, but God commendeth his love toward us. Then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I have a son, I have a daughter. And you may not know this, but I have five of the most beautiful, talented, educated, over the charts, out the top granddaughters. My granddaughters are better than anybody else's granddaughters. I guess the Lord knew if I had a grandson, I really would be lifted up in pride. And I love my children, and I love my daughter, and I love my son, and I love everybody in this room today. You're right here. I, I know I'm not your high priest. I'm, I, I'm not even your low priest. And I, but in that high priest, Brother John, in that Old Testament, that high priest wore that ephod. And on that ephod was 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes. And that high priest bore those people on his heart and he took them before God. And any pastor that's worth his salt has his people on his heart and in his mind 24-7. 
Somebody asked me the other day, did you sleep good last night? I haven't had a good night's uninterrupted sleep for the last 39 years of my life since I'm pastoring this church. I go to bed with this church on my mind. I get up with it on my mind. Throughout the day, I've got it on my mind. I love you. I love your families. I love your boys and your girls and your mamas and your daddies. I love you. And when you hurt, your preacher hurts. When you sorrow, your preacher of sorrows. When you got problems, I got problems. I love you with all of my heart. But listen to me, there is not one person in this room that I love enough to let my son and let my daughter die that you may go to heaven. I love you, but I'm here to tell you, I don't love you that much. But aren't you glad there is a sovereign heavenly Father that loves you and I so much that He gave His only begotten Son. I want to tell you today how we're birthed into the family of God. He cared for our soul. He loved us. Hallelujah. With an amazing love. But he did more than care for my soul. According to the text, he canceled my sin. He said in our text this morning that he is the propitiation for our sins. He said that in chapter number 2, he is not only our advocate, but he is the propitiation for our sin. It means to atone. It means to cover. It means to appease the wrath of God. We get that from the ark. Remember, when the ark was pitched within and without with pitch, it was preserved from the water that represented the judgment of God. The water couldn't get to them and they couldn't get to water. But aren't you glad that moment you trusted Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ made you judgment proof. It made you wrath proof. And between you today and the flames of hell is the perpetuating blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church membership, water baptism, the sacraments of the Lord's Supper. That's not why I'm saved. I'm saved because He loved me and the blood of Jesus Christ canceled my sin. I'm glad for old time salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how we get into that family, the birth into the family. But secondly, this morning in our text, I love what he, when he talked about the bond with the family. Not only did I, get, I, did I get birthed in, but once I got birthed in, there is a bond with the family. He said in our text this morning, if God so loved us, we ought also ought to love one another. Three times in chapter 4, he addresses the bond of the family of God. That we love one another. That we love one another. In fact, he was so plain, he said this. You can't love your father that you've never seen. And hate your brother that you have seen. This is how plain he put it in the text. If you don't love one another, what you have is false and fake. That's what he said. That bond of love between the saints of God is a proof of sonship. 
And it is not only a proof of sonship, but it is a portrait of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the analogy between His love for us and our love for each other. He said, if God so loved us, I love that little word, so. It means to the extent of. If God so loved us, then we ought also to love one another. You say, well, how did God love us? Ooh, unconditionally. Now, I don't believe anybody in this room today have, has a problem loving people that you like. If I like you, I love you bunches. If I don't like you, help me, Jesus. Most of us like people that like us back. But people that don't like us back and people that are hard to love, whew, sweet home Alabama. No way God could love us unless he did what Dottie Rambo said. He looked beyond my fault and he saw my need. I was reading the other day a testimony that Dottie Rambo gave how the Lord gave her that song. She had a brother that was lost. He'd lived a, a very, very uh, terrible life. And every time she would try to witness to him about being saved, he'd say, been too far, done too much. Just don't talk to me about it. And they called her one day and said, Dottie, your brother's in the hospital at the point of death. And she's at her desk with her Bible and she's praying, God, give me something. I'm going to go visit my brother who is at death's door. Please give me something that I can say that will break down that wall of resentment. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, Dottie, go to his hospital room. And when he starts on the fact that he's done too much and gone too far, you tell him, I can look beyond his fault and see his need. Boy, she took off to that hospital. She went beside of her brother and she began to tell him about mercy and grace and salvation. And here he started. Dottie, I've gone too far. I've been too wicked. I've done too much. And she said, oh, brother, the Lord wanted me to come and tell you. He can look beyond your fault and see your need. You want another lesson on sovereignty? God who sees all, knows all, has the ability to look beyond your past and look beyond your rebellion and look beyond your sin and save your unworthy soul. Hallelujah, what a Savior. He can look beyond your fault, brother, and see your son. That broke him down. He started crying and he wept his way to God and she led him to Christ right there on that deathbed. She went home that afternoon and she was at her writing table thanking the Lord that he looked beyond her brother's fault and saw his need and saved him. And it wasn't long that this song was flowing from her pen. If that isn't love, the ocean is dry. There are no stars in the sky and the sparrow can't fly. And if that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this. If that isn't love, God did not say 
save us because of us. We had nothing to bring. We had nothing to barter. We had nothing to give. We came like blind Fanny Crosby. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I'd cling. And if God can look beyond our faults, see our need, put up with our mistakes, put up with our failures, I'm glad we can love the saints of God, love the good, love the bad, love the ugly. Aren't you glad for the bond that's a part of the family of God? It's a proof of sonship. And it's a portrait of our Savior that we love one another. I'm glad I got a church family. I'm glad I have somebody to help me along the way. Probably one of the saddest days of my pastorate uh, Horace back here will recognize the name Van Cumby. Van Cumby was an undertaker in our area, and he worked for Donald Hugh Lewis for several years before he started his own company at Airport Marcher, where he would uh, go to people that had passed away and send them to their loved ones that were out of town. Because you know, in Atlanta, ain't nobody ain't nobody been born here, and we're just a big melting pot. Van Cumby called me one day. He said, "What are you doing tomorrow?" I said, well, I'm, I'm just going to hang around and rest a little bit. He said, I need you to do a funeral for me. He said, you meet me at 12 o'clock at Donahue Lewis Funeral Home in Hapeville. You know, that place was located. It's still there. But what, what's funny, it used to, it, right beside of it used to be a Waffle House. Waffle House is gone from there, but the funeral home still stands. Does that tell you something about eating at Waffle House? Can I get an amen right there? And I showed up at the funeral home at 12 I walked in, nobody in this layout room, nobody here in this one, no, the three outlet, nobody, nobody there, nobody in the layout room. I said, Van, where's everybody at? Oh, uh, 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 he said, I need to tell you what happened. There's a little family from Michigan moved to Atlanta. They'd only been in town for two days. And she got killed in a wreck out here on 75. They don't know anybody. And he said, Preacher Joe, the only people that's going to be here today is the dad and the two children. I said, Van, if you'd have told me that, I'd have brought some of our seniors that don't work during the day and we'd have ordered some flowers from the church. He said, I know, I just wasn't thinking. We took that body and put it in that hearse, Van and I did, and rode out to College Park Cemetery where I buried probably half of this congregation through the years. It was cold. The wind was blowing. I mean, it was cold, especially to be Georgia. We got out there by that grave and we put that casket on that barrier and there sat that dad and them two teenage kids, a boy and a girl, one, one 14 and one 16. And that's all there was. There were no friends. There were no families. There were no gathering. Nobody there but them. And I've been pastoring this church for 39 years and preached thousands of funerals, but I never did one like this before. I got on my knees and I put my arm around that dad and I put my arm, Brother Don, around them teenage children. And I just started praying and quoting scripture and I tried my best to pour out my affection as a pastor and my love for them. I didn't know them. I had never met them, but Jesus knew them and they were precious to Jesus because they were part of that whosoever will that he died for. 
And I did my best to be a blessing and a light and a comfort in a difficult time. It wasn't long after that till Kathy Watley's daddy passed away. And we stood in line for hours and greeted the friends. Our little church was packed out. Charlotte, it wasn't long after that till I buried your father. And man, there were thousands of people lined up and down the streets and all the branches of the military. And I thought... Oh my, I wonder when it comes time to lay beneath the sod, have you cultivated enough friends that there'll be more people there than just scattered leaves upon the ground? And it wasn't their fault. They just moved here. They didn't know anybody. But I wonder if there's anybody in the sound of my voice this morning. You walked through some hard times. You walked through some difficult times. But holding your hand was another child of God. Hallelujah. From the household of faith. Hey, that loved you through that. And they brought you through that. I'm glad for the bond that's in the family of God. I'm glad we have the Lord, aren't you? I'm glad we have the Bible. I'm glad we have the blood. I'm glad we have the Holy Spirit. But I'm glad we have one another. Turn to somebody beside of you today and said, Hello, brother, sister. We're part of the family of God. The birth into the family, the bond with the family. I'll just mention this and pick it up when I got more time. The benefits of the family. There are family benefits. Some of us are blessed to come from a good family. I love my heritage. My daddy called me in a couple of months before he died. Said, well, I need to tell you how we're going to settle everything. I said, dad, I think I know, but go ahead. He said, I've seen families fight over stuff that's left behind. He said, I got some good news. You and your sisters have nothing to fight about. My daddy pastored them churches except his last one. That had that philosophy, God, if you'll keep him humble, we'll keep him broke. Daddy didn't have much as far as others were concerned. But I can take you to the three libraries I have. And I can show you what my daddy left me that money cannot buy. This is one of the last Bibles my daddy preached from. I preach from it every Sunday morning and Sunday night from this pulpit just to be reminded I love what he left. He didn't leave stocks and bonds and policies and, and, and all of this, but he left me behind some stuff that money cannot buy. Some families are left with millions and billions and trillions and man, more power to you. You're looking at a man that is not jealous over another human being, who they are, what they got. Pour it on, man. Enjoy it. You're not mad at the rich people? No, I'm wanting them to tithe. Family benefits. You may come from a family that's got a big name politically and financially, or you may come like the rest of us. You were so poor, you spelt it with four zeros. During Christmas time, your daddy would say, Santa Claus is on strike with the union. 
But I'm talking about some real family benefits. And the greatest benefit in this family I see is in verse 17 in this chapter. When he said that he hath given unto us his spirit. Now let me ask you a question. After him looking beyond our fault and loving us. And sending his son to forgive and cancel every sin. Wouldn't that be enough? But to put the icing on the cake, he said he did something else. He gave you his Holy Spirit. And if you're God's child, he put it in you. You say, well, what is so good about the Lord when he saved us, putting the Holy Spirit in us? Boy, I wish I had time to answer that question. What are some of the titles of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? It's called the Spirit of Light. Therefore, there's no darkness too great for you. He is called the Spirit of Power. Therefore, there is no weakness too great for you. He is called the Spirit of Glory. Therefore, there is no hurt too great for you. He is called the Spirit of Love. Therefore, there's no bad hate that can overcome His love. I'm glad he's the spirit of love. He's the spirit of light. He's the spirit of power. He's the spirit of glory. I'm glad we're not alone in this world. We can climb the mountains. We can cross the river. We can bear the burdens of life because there are family benefits. And that benefit is a promise. that He will never leave us nor forsake us. In closing this morning, my mom and daddy were such Christians that I cannot think of God's family without thinking of the one that I was raised in. I hear people talk about hypocrites they saw in their life. Oh, get over it. Hypocrites shop at Walmart and eat at Cracker Barrel and I'm still going. My mom and daddy were real enough for me to outshine any hypocrite I ever met. I stood in this place in 2008 and said goodbye on this side to my father. I miss him. Every Sunday morning, this morning, right on time, I could never be late for church. I could never oversleep for church because even if I slept up to 930, my phone's going to ring. If nobody on planet earth calls me at 9.30 every Sunday morning, I'm going to get this call. I'm going to say, hello. And that sweet voice is going to say, hey, baby. He says, that Miss Julie? She don't call me that. You say, what does she call me? There are children here. Same thing yours calls you when you make her mad. You said, I've not made mine mad lately. You must be living at opposite ends of the house. Can I get a witness? Hey, baby. I hope you have a good day today, honey. I love you. You're my little preacher boy. Then she'll light into praying. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, fill him with the Holy Ghost. When that phone went off at 9.30 this morning, I looked and the thought hit me. I wonder how many times. One day, 9.30 on a Sunday morning, there's not going to be a call from her.
If the rapture doesn't take place, me or her one's going out of this world by the way of the grave. One day that phone call will never come. I'm going to be so sad that first Sunday that I don't get that call from her. Because we have to part on this side of the river. But aren't you glad this spiritual family that I'm talking about? My heavenly father will never die. Nor will my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, Brother Joe, you just said we had funerals. Yeah, we have funerals on this side. The body of clay is going back to the dust. But aren't you glad our spirit and our souls that's been washed in the blood and redeemed by the cross and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we got a home forever. Like the old timers used to say, we've been friends down here. And we'll be friends up there. There's a birth into the family. There's a bond with the family. There's benefits of the family. And I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. Let's stand today all over the building. Our Heavenly Father, we love you.